Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Raj Grover, CEO at High Tide, is not only Canada's biggest non-franchised cannabis retailer, but also one of the world's savviest consumer-focused operators in the entire industry. Raj returns to the podcast, and we catch up on two-plus years of consolidation, growth, and acceleration. Yeah, so look, the good news is that Illicit is still sitting at 40%. As much as it hurts me every day, I still think that this number is a massive number that will come back in the legal fold. You know, I am very hopeful that as the industry continues to mature, competition will eventually level out. The legal uh, competition is, you know, some of the pockets where things are oversaturated, let's say in Toronto. And then also the Illicit share will continue to go down as the quality gets better, the prices have already come down rock bottom. Mm. We have very competitive price points being offered by, yep. by the licensed growers and manufacturers. So, you know, on that side, we're really good. So I'm very hopeful that the illicit share will continue to go down, making bricks and mortar cannabis retail landscape, legal landscape, much more healthier. Raj, welcome back to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you, my friend? Michael, it's great to be back and chat with you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been a couple of years. I think the last time you and I spoke together uh, and together for the podcast was at the Retail Council's Cannabis Forum. But uh, it is great. A, a, li- a few things have happened since then. <laughs> Twenty was that 2019. <laughs> so I'm really excited to catch up. You guys have been doing such amazing things. So thanks again for making the time to uh, to chat with me. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I always say cannabis years are like dog years. You know, 2019 <laughs> to 2022 can make a big difference. And you know it. Uh, absolutely. Now, where am I finding you today? I'm in Calgary office. I know you well. Not everyone may know you as well as I, or may, they may recognize the brands, but not know enough about the business. So why don't we start about you? Tell us a bit about yourself and then tell us all about High Tide. Now, it, it's a really interesting organization. So help me, help me and help the listeners kind of unpack High Tide. Sure, sure. So um, as you may know, Michael, I, I grew up in Mumbai in a middle class family and started learning about business uh, at an early age from my father. So, you know, starting at the age of 14, uh, I started spending many of my summers in his office, just learning more about his business. And as I come from a family of business owners, which is my father, my, my uncle, my grandfather, they've all been business people, all into export import. So I've also always kind of have a very keen interest in business in general. Uh, and, you know, I, I took this interest in, in learning my father's uh, export business. And that's where I was exposed, exposed to uh, um, international trade. Uh, and then I arrived in Canada with an ambition to start my own business and uh, started my first retail store at the age of 2020 at the age of 22. Mm. And following that, I also successfully launched some other small businesses in Ontario, you know, including investing in real estate. Um, and then after that, I moved to Alberta and started an independent smoke shop called Smokers Corner mm-hmm. and then organically built that chain to 19 stores at its peak, out of which 10 were franchised and nine were corporate stores. We were always also the first franchisors in the space at that time in the smoke shop space. To, to launch a franchise model. Uh, and then also in uh, 2011, I founded RGR Canada, which is Valiant Distribution today. And at, at Valiant, we design, manufacture, and distribute consumption accessories. And then in 2016, I co-founded Famous Brands uh, and secured celebrity and studio licenses to manufacture licensed consumption accessories. Mm-hmm. 
Then with federal legalization of cannabis on the horizon in Canada uh, coming up, I vended all of these operating companies, Smokers Corner, RGR, famous brands, into High Tide, into High Tide Inc., and uh, took it public on the CSC in December of 2018. Well, what a what a fast ride. And now, do you trade outside of Canada? Because I think, I seem to remember that uh, your core business also had U.S. presence. Is that, uh, am I remembering that correctly? Oh, we do now, yes. Uh, mm. We have uh, major exposure in the U.S. through our e-commerce platforms at the moment. And we do trade, we do business outside of Canada, and we are mm-hmm. also trading on the NASDAQ stock exchange and the Toronto stock exchange venture, as well as the Frankfurt stock exchange. Mm, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I always tell people when they, um, when they look at cannabis retailers to look at, at high tide as an example, because you were, you remind me of catalog retailers before e-commerce. You were in the, the space before legalization operating as a, as a retailer and a manufacturer <clears throat> and private label. So you, you came to it with a lot of experience. You, you weren't just a startup that, that saw an opportunity. You saw that opportunity like a decade before, right? I think that's what makes a big difference uh, between High Tide and other operators. Michael, I find myself in a very fortunate position to have had this industry experience starting in 2009. You know, this is mm-hmm. over a decade of uh, very valuable experience, which we were able to leverage in all facets of High Tide. And, you know, just knowing your customer this intimately for this long has really helped us differentiate where we are today uh, versus a lot of our peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's, that experience has definitely helped us to be where we are today. Yeah, it, it was always my sense that you had a very good grasp of the, of the customer going in, if we're just speaking about um, legalization of retail cannabis, and, and we'll get more into that. But you already had a grip on the customer. And importantly, it felt like you had a, a, an idea of where you wanted to live and retail in that space. Because you, you remember back, in the early days, there were some, you know, we're going to be the Apple of cannabis stores or we're going to be a bespoke. And, and, and you had a very particular brand identity and customer in mind when you went to market. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and, you know, that that differentiation and that understanding of who our customer is, uh, is how we tailored this entire high tide ecosystem, especially mm-hmm. the Canacabana brand, Michael, because, you know, mm-hmm. we, we I am very proud of uh this very unique retail cannabis experience we have created through our discount club model in Canna Cabana, but it's it's genuinely uh, a makeup of all of the years that we spent, uh, you know, servicing this customer that is passionate about uh, consumption accessories and understands cannabis for not just for not just you know since legalization, even prior to legalization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we always knew who our customer was, you know. Uh, I saw a lot of our peers going towards, you know, we're going to sell to the soccer moms and the baby boomers uh, and everybody else. But, hey, they are not the ones purchasing cannabis today. You have to Mm -hmm. educate them. You have to bring them in the system. And I'm I'm not saying that customer segment is negligible or we shouldn't be paying attention to. But let's not forget, you know, who is your core cannabis customer? So we have a very deep understanding of that. And that is the reason why I, I see us tasting success today you know, ahead of our competitors. Yeah, I, I, I often described you as having, um, and it's maybe not the right description, but kind of patient money. Like you knew, it felt like you knew where the industry was, well, as much as any of us know where the industry is going to evolve and the consumer are going to evolve too. But you needed to start with a strong foundation, right? Because I, 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 would, I, would, I get that sense from the stores that I'm in that uh, in how you get to retail. We need a strong foundation and then we'll evolve as 
the market evolves, right? Absolutely. Like we, we always knew where our strength was. You know, we were designing and manufacturing, distributing consumption accessories since 2011. And we know the customers that, that purchase these accessories and you need some type of accessory to facilitate the use of cannabis. So mm -hmm. we leveraged that part of our business really well, Michael. If you go to our stores, and I'm sure you visited some stores, like you said, mm -hmm. you can see our retail layout. It's very, very shoppable. It's very appealing. Yeah. You know, it speaks to you at every touch point. And we carry, you know, upwards of 500 additional SKUs than any given next competitor. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, again, you know, th this comes from our deep experience of knowing the customer on how they shop. What do they prefer? What do what do they want to see in cannabis stores? Not from just a concept that, oh, cannabis is legalizing in Canada and mm -hmm. it's going to be just another retail store. So, you know, we could do it this way or that way. We did it through experience, through past experience that we gained from the Smokers Corner setup. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had 19 stores at its peak and we basically serviced the most mature and heavy users of cannabis through through all the consumption accessories. Yeah, it was a very direct analog for what the market and how the market was going to evolve. So let's let's uh, let's talk about the retail component, retail cannabis component, because you you've mentioned Canna Cabana, but uh, walk our <clears> listeners <throat> through the scope and scale of the retail cannabis business today and some of the brands, and that's been evolving uh, as the market has evolved. You've taken the opportunity to uh, to enhance the portfolio. Take us through that for a little bit. Sure. So we, we've definitely evolved uh, as a story. So, you know, to just to give you a big bit of a background, High Tide is made up of various subsidiary companies that have retail focused operations uh, in both bricks and mortar and through e-commerce platforms. Um, we operate in three main business segments, Michael, that is THC, CBD and consumption accessories. We are the largest non-franchised bricks and mortar cannabis retailer in Canada through our Canna Cabana brand with a portfolio of 139 locations operating across five Canadian provinces, which are Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia. Um, we also acquired two of the most popular CBD brands in the US last year, Michael, which were Fab CBD and New Leaf Naturals. Hmm. Uh, both have been in business for many, many years, especially New Leaf has been a leader in cannabinoid science since 2014. Mm -hmm. And then we also acquired uh, Bless CBD out of the UK. Mm -hmm. And all these companies, you know, they are all they all sell direct to consumer from their online platforms uh, and third party platforms such as Amazon. Uh, we also acquired GrassCity.com in December of 2018. So we had started mapping out our strategy even prior to entering public markets. Uh, and we acquired GrassCity.com uh, in December of 2018. And then we followed that up with Smoke Cartel, Daily High Club, and Dang Stop in 2021, you know, positioning us as three out of the top five most popular consumption accessory platforms in the world. Yeah. So over the many years, you know, we, we've secured almost 3 million customers in our database, out of which 80% of these customers reside in the U.S., giving mm -hmm. us a great opportunity to sell THC products when federal legalization occurs. Yeah, very, very interesting. And then on the retail side, uh, I think your last um, partnership or acquisition was Chum, Corey's great business that he built up. Uh, but it's not your only one. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Chum was a, a really uh, great acquisition for us. Uh, you know, we, we again, you know, I'd like to think that not only do we execute, you know, we, we've also been getting uh, some really good opportunities come inbound into us. So 
Chum unfortunately went into CCAA proceedings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we had the opportunity to take out Chum even prior to that. But just looking at the Chum portfolio and where the locations existed and the amount of locations that were not performing really did not make any sense, you know, to, to take the company out at that time. Mm-hmm. And then when they went into CCAA proceedings, we were able to cherry pick, uh, you know, nine out of the 17 locations that we wanted. Uh, one of them uh, is Niagara Falls, uh, Ontario. I was gonna, you know what? Alberta. It's funny you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned. That. I was going to ask you about the Niagara Falls one because I know the I know the backstory behind that one, and that's the one I'm most familiar with. And it's a beautiful store in a nice mall off a highway. Like I think if there's a formula, they had a pretty good location there. So I'm happy you picked it up. Oh yes, it's a it's a beautiful store, kind of you know situated with uh, mm-hmm. uh, other outlets, which very much goes with our personality. What we're trying to do with our discount club model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, uh, Chum and us were both vying for that for for that deal with the lottery winner at that time for, mm-hmm. for the uh, Niagara lottery winner. Mm-hmm. We ended up getting the most. We got three out of the 25. Uh, we got Hamilton, uh, Young Street in Toronto, and then Sudbury in Ontario. Yep. And Chum was able to pick up this Niagara Falls location, which has done extremely well for them. So mm-hmm. for that to come back, you know, life turns a full circle and come back yep. to high tide. Okay. <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. Um, yeah. So we were able to get that that location in Niagara Falls, uh, six locations in Alberta. You know, mostly in places where we don't have presence today. So that really worked out uh, in small town Alberta. And then we also got two locations in Vancouver, which I'm very excited oh. about because, mm-hmm. as you know, uh, Michael, you know, BC's been uh, a tough entry for us. First, we had to wait a very long time uh, because yep. our business kept on evolving and. I had to pass all the regulatory hurdles in BC, but I am so excited to start servicing our friends in BC now and get to amazing tune locations in Vancouver to start with. Yeah, now I think there's also a bit of chop happening in BC, right? There's some disruption in the distribution happening. So it's it's never a dull day in retail cannabis, right? Never a dull day. And you know what happened at OCS uh, just before that, just resolved that. And, you know, there's, there's never a dull moment in cannabis. So, you know, when we think about um, your ability, and I think it's kind of nested in our conversation, the the strategy and the patience and the experience. But, it, you know, when you look at the overall cannabis market, is is it that the combination of those things, the operating expertise that has allowed you to kind of, you know, not just survive, but also thrive, spoken or asked differently. So, you know, there's some call, obviously consolidation happening in the market. They can't, not all operators can win is is it is it those those three things primarily that's led to your your success and your I guess we'd call it longevity uh, though you know relatively speaking you're you're a newbie retailer but in this space you got a lot of uh, veteran experience and operating experience so is that what sets you uh, as high tide apart? You know, having this experience like we discussed just a few minutes ago, Michael, I think is priceless. Uh, you know, we've definitely navigated through a few storms to to get where mm-hmm. we are today operationally. Given the challenges of the broader cannabis industry and especially the Canadian cannabis industry that we continue continue to face uh, as Canadian cannabis industry, so you know I I would say that the secret to our business success has been our strategic and innovative thinking and a very keen focus on what the customer wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I keep coming back to the customer because it's mm-hmm. a really important point. As we know and understand our customers since 2009, and you know we know how, what they like and and how they shop. And, and you know, this deep understanding of our customer has led us to even launch 
our innovative discount club model, which continues to propel our growth, uh, you know, on a monthly basis. We just continue to mm. to grow in every market where we exist, even on a same store sales basis, which is an extreme rarity in Canada, as you know, Michael. You know, and and this is all while our peers continue to face fierce challenges yeah. or they're slowing down. But you know, that is just not the case with high tech. Yeah, and these acquisitions seem to be what would the finance folks call them net accretive, right? They they they're you're not growing for the sake of growing. You're growing to to make yourself more 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 stronger in the markets that you care about. Question for you. So, you know, if we think about cannabis in phases, or let's say if you're a baseball fan in innings, what inning do you think we're in right now? I mean, it's been a couple of years, three years since legalization. Where where do you see the market. I mean, there's, of course, it's complicated because province by province is a bit different. But in your mind, what inning are we in in the in the retail cannabis space? So the retail cannabis industry in Canada is is definitely hitting saturation levels uh, in most provinces in the country. Michael, it's it's surely a mature landscape here in Alberta, where I am, and also in Ontario, um, with also other provinces quickly catching up, like Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still opportunity and a good amount of opportunity that remains in BC. But having said all that, you know, there are still pockets of opportunity that remain in these provinces, Alberta, Ontario, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Yeah. Ontario is still a big opportunity for us. We still have a potential to add another 30 stores. And, sure. and you know, we are very much on it. Um, but, you know, the, the, the retail cannabis industry is no secret. You know, we've, we've continued to face competitive pressures, not only from each other, like legal retailers facing competitive pressures from each other, but also facing major competitive pressures from the illicit market, which is which is still approximately 40 percent of the total Canadian cannabis business. But, you know, I'm very. where where do you think that'll set out? Raj, Raj, where do you where do you where would you project that could settle out at in the fullness of time? Like uh, it's never going to be zero in the legacy illegal market. But where do you what, what would be good in your mind? Like what, what number, do you have a number in your mind that you would say, listen, the market is sat. you said saturated. So at what point is the market saturated? Like there's no more growth from a percentage, you know, there's growth in where I am, Mississauga, there's no cannabis stores here. So there's obviously, as you say, not insignificant pockets of opportunity for locations. But when you think of saturation and maximum, you know, from a consumption perspective, do you have a number in your head? How do you think of that? Yeah. So look, the good news is that illicit is still sitting at 40 percent. As much as it hurts me every day, I still think that this number is a massive number that will come back in the legal fold. You know, I am very hopeful that as the industry continues to mature, competition will eventually level out the legal uh, competition. It's, you know, some of the pockets where things are oversaturated, let's say in Toronto. And then also the illicit share will continue to go down as the quality gets better, the prices have already come down rock bottom. Mm-hmm. We have very competitive price points being offered by, yep. by the licensed growers and manufacturers. So, you know, on that side, we're really good. So I'm very hopeful that the illicit share will continue to go down, making bricks and mortar cannabis retail landscape, legal landscape, much more healthier. So uh, I know that, you know, I can't, I wish I could tell you that, uh, Michael, I see this drastically changing on the illicit front next year. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, every year we're going to make a solid dent into it. Mm. So into three and a half years, four years since legalization, uh, we've lost, we've gained about 60% of market share from illicit. We got yeah. another 40 to go. So my guess, my educated guess would be, uh, maybe another two years or so we come down to 15 to 20%. Mm. And that 20% is going to make a lot of difference, Michael. 
And I guess um, it's also it's also time, but it's also we need some regulatory support, right? Like in a province like Ontario, where you know the distribution and online. I guess we got a little bit of help from, ironically, from the COVID era because we had home delivery in Ontario that didn't really exist prior to, right? So I think there's there's also those extraneous factors that I think we need to help push that push us where we need to be, right? No, definitely. I think the regulatory landscape plays a massive role, you know, in the success or failure of the industry and where the industry goes and how fast it goes. So, you know, um, I would always say the governments really need to take Canada as an example. They, uh, other yeah. other countries need to look at Canada's legalization rollout as an example and not make the same mistakes that have been made in Canada. And, you know, to, to our defense here, we're the first major G7 country to legalize it. So, Yep. Of course, we're going to take it slow and go through some hurdles. Uh, but, you know, there's many, many lessons that can be learned from from the rollout of uh, uh, recreational cannabis in Canada. For example, you know, the excise taxes that are in play uh, and how quickly do they come into play? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, uh, how do we treat uh, cannabis businesses in comparison to other retail businesses? Uh, another thing I can talk about quickly here is... Uh, uh, you know, the um, edibles THC limit that we have to deal with yep. at 10 milligrams while illicit market can go up to 1200 milligrams. Yeah. There's no comparison to that. So, yeah. you know, we as legal retailers end up getting three to five percent of the edible market share when the real market share that we see in the U.S. is sitting somewhere around 15 percent and heading towards 20 percent. So mm. massive opportunities remain. The good news is companies like High Tide have set up their infrastructure uh, we've learned, uh, you know, uh, we've learned how to fight the battle in a very tough way. Mm-hmm. And now we're ready for, for the international games to begin. Well, I love it. It's a, it's a, definitely a glass half full or the, the bong half full, I guess I could say in the context. <laughs> I could do that all day. Um, let's, let's talk about some product for a while because you're deeply entrenched in product. We've touched on it, but it, it, to do it good justice. I mean, you've, you've got a depth of expertise in developing products. So talk about what's, what's new and talk about private label products and, and what's the strategy and how does it fit into a, you know, we get to a good, better, best and what the kind of the, what can you, what can you share about the private label product strategy? Sure. So the quality and variety, um, you know, that's available at the various provincial boards today has, has gone up quite a bit, right. As a result of this huge increase as a um, um, number of licensed growers have increased, also the manufacturers and processors have, have increased. So, you know, at the moment, I'm happy with the product quality and availability uh, at these provincial boards that we have to buy from. Uh, it's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the other thing that's really working out in our favor, Michael, is our 13 years of experience in, in manufacturing high quality consumption accessories, which mm-hmm. is a huge driver that contributes towards our success. So, you know, we've always been know we we've, we've always known that if you take care of our customer by offering superior quality products at great prices, we will eventually win and retain their business. And we've always stuck to this philosophy. And this is why, you know, we, we proudly manufacture some of the highest quality consumption accessories, uh, and we sell them at unbeatable prices. And then on top of that, we also own uh, three of the most popular CBD brands that our customers love in the in the U.S. and U.K. With plans to introduce these brands in Canada as regulations evolve, I'm sure you know you're hearing uh, uh, mm-hmm. Health Canada stand on, uh, on CBD. They want to reevaluate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, on the second part of the question about our own white label, I'm also very excited about our recent launch that we disclosed of Cabana Cannabis co-branded products, uh, which which include uh, pre rolls, 
uh, Pink Hawaiian Shatter and Gummies in the market today. And we also have an additional approximately 10 SKUs under development uh, mm. that include vape cartridges, infused pre-rolls, ounce bags, uh, you know, multi-cannabinoid formulations of THC oils and, and soft gels. So we have a ton of exciting stuff under development. And, you know, we call these products our greatest hits <laughs> and rightfully so, mm. because these products are tried and tested winners that we have cherry picked from our Cabanalytics data. Yeah. We wanted our customers to know, you know, to be assured of the quality and performance of these SKUs. So we are motivated to introduce the very best through Cabana Cannabis Co. And of course, at unbeatable prices, mm. which is really our theme. We're going to get you the best quality products at the best prices. And we plan to launch these additional SKUs uh, that are under development in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario in the coming months. Oh, fantastic. Um, let's let's turn our minds for a few seconds to the uh, the, US, the U.S. market. I mean, the New York State uh, legalization could make that a very huge market. It's always easier said than than done. How are you thinking about uh, the New York market and, and the U.S. market in general from from your perspective, from your opportunity for high tide? So you know, hugely populated states uh, like California and New York have started to you know uh, legalize re- cannabis recreationally. I believe we are up to 19 states in the U.S. now where one can purchase recreationally. And in my opinion, you know, full federal legalization is only a question of when, not if. Mm. Um, But I don't see this happening for the next three years or so, as we know that the current U.S. Congress cannot Mm. get aligned on this issue, Michael. And, And then due to the regulated nature of the cannabis industry, brick and mortar stores are and will remain the primary source of cannabis purchasing for the customers with e commerce and delivery making up. I think approximately 20 to 30 percent, of course, this is just my opinion, of the overall retail pie and the when the retail industry hits its maturity in the U.S. Mm. Um, so, you know, although federal legalization pre- presents a massive opportunity for a company like High Tide when it occurs, as we already have three million international customers in our database, out of mm. which 80 percent live in the U.S., you know, we can convert these customers into THC purchasing customers upon legalization. Right. But... Thankfully for high tide, our growth has not been, has not been, and will not be dependent on U.S. federal legalization due to our diversified retail portfolio, you know, that gives us exposure to a rapidly growing CBD and consumption accessory space. Yeah, that's, that's, a, very, that's a super savvy approach. I mean, I'm, I, I was in the U.S. Uh, in uh, July. We're talking to a bunch of folks in the retail tech industry, and they were asking, and we were talking about legalization, and I'm like, I... It's tough in the states, I think, because it's caught up in or tied up in social justice issues, and and you know it's more if it's just commerce, you know the Americans would have legalized it a long time ago, right? So I think I think there's still a rocky road ahead. I agree, three years plus. Yeah, totally, and uh, uh, you know it's it's both parties want to do that. Republicans want to legalize, Canada, Democrats want to legalize, but they just can't get aligned on the social equity part, which we right. know will happen at some point. But mm. it, the process needs to run its course. And I believe it's, you know, at least two to three years away. Yeah. But, you know, our like I said, Michael, our growth is not dependent on it. And this is evident in our strong financial results, including massive revenue and market share growth over the last three years, yeah. uh, you know, for us, which has not slowed down. And I am really looking forward to sharing our progress when we report our third fiscal quarter in mid-September. Oh, fantastic. All right. So it's a funny question to ask because there's so much going on. But what's next? Like what when you uh, when you get together with your leadership team and you got the whiteboard out, what uh, what's next for you? Again, it's a funny question because you've got so much going on and there's a lot of next already happening. Maybe we've covered it. But, it, you know, if you could summarize how, you know, you're thinking about opportunities, what 
What's, what jumps to the top of the list? So, Michael, as you can see, you know, the action never stops at high tide. Yeah. Um, we're going to continue to keep our focus on our customers that have made us what we are today, right? By introducing innovative products and concepts, which we've always done uh, through our discount club model, through the, uh, you know, uh, through the introduction of Cabana Cannabis co-products. And, and, you know, the, our customers have come to love these products. So we want to keep our focus on that. Uh, we also uh, want to continue to execute on our business plan, which is to gain retail market share in Canada quickly. Mm-hmm. So at a very rapid pace, both through organic growth and accretive M&A. You've seen us do both, uh, yeah. right? We've, we've been building a ton of organic stores and uh, we've also been doing a ton of M&A, at, uh, uh, especially on the brick and mortar front. And this is to solidify our position as the number one non-franchise retailer in the country. Um, And then, you know, this one is a really exciting one for me, Michael, uh, and our investors, of course. Uh, We also plan to introduce Cabana Elite uh, in Mm. November or December of this year, which is a paid version of our Cabana Club loyalty program. Um, Because, you know, since we introduced our discount club model, our loyalty has gone up from 245,000 members to 700,000 members today, right? Just over 700,000 members today. Wow. And now we have an opportunity to monetize this ahead of our peer group. You know, some of our peer groups don't even believe in a membership model as they publicly put out these statements. (laughs) You know, that is not the case with High Tide. And this opportunity is, again, straight to our bottom line, Michael. So Mm. super excited about that. Well, Uh, and and that's a great and that's a great strategy because you 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 walk in in the footsteps of those who provide outsized benefits for that paid loyalty program that would you call the elite right that's where you know your knowledge decades of knowledge of the consumer says here's what they'll actually want to pay for and you know that absolutely things right yeah yeah absolutely so what we're going to do with our elite model michael is we're not going to take anything away from our Mm -hmm. current members but mm-hmm. we're going to give so much more to our elite members. So yeah. stay tuned for that because, you know, we, we will be disclosing a bit on mm-hmm. that on the earnings call that is coming up in mid-September. Then, and again, you know, last but not least, Michael, you know, uh, M&A is in our DNA and we <laughs> always have a robust, robust pipeline of great businesses, uh, you know, yeah. that we can add to our portfolio. So we put some of these deals on ice for now because of our equity prices, just like everybody else is taking sure. a huge beating. Yeah. But as our uh, equity prices recover, we'll be back at it. I love that. I love that. M and A is in our DNA. Is that written above your uh, desk or somewhere in the in the boardroom? I love that uh, statement. That no, one. that was that was very <laughs> spontaneous, but it, it really is. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen. This has been awesome. Uh, it was wonderful to catch up with you. Congratulations on on your success, and and I wish you much to, much continued success. And and here's a fun fact: you're the third Grover that's been on the podcast in six months. You've got, I interviewed Mohit from, uh, from Sobeys and uh, Tanbir from Pet Value. So you're well represented here on the Voice of Retail podcast. The Grover clan is well represented. I'm going to have to look up uh, the, the other two Grovers for sure. But thank you so much, Michael, for having me here. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties, the Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next Podcast, and the Food Professor Podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn 
or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone.